0: about you, but family life takes its turns all the time. If you grow up in a family right now, if you're in a family or if you're a parent and you're in the family situation because you've got kids, it's like you have to learn. I'm learning with my family what it means to actually take every moment as it goes and to enjoy every moment for the moment that you have because everything seems to change on a daily basis. Um, Right now, I'm taking my youngest daughter to school, and we are getting up much earlier, or I'm getting up much earlier, to take her to a friend's house for her to walk in to school. And we uh, sit in the car and we talk, or we wake up while driving and don't talk. It seems to be more the thing. And if I try and talk, it becomes, what are you talking to me for? It's too early, Dad. Just drive. (laughs) So so we're enjoying every stage of life. and where I drop my daughter off, we've noticed that there's this Tesla on the driveway. And um, more often than not, it's hooked up with its cable being charged. And, um, well, without charging, it's going to be difficult to drive that car. In Hebrews 11.6, it says, without faith, it's impossible to please God. So as it is impossible to drive a car without charging it first... You have to first connect your car to the charging point, And then you can charge and do things, do things. It's impossible to please God without faith. So faith is like connecting your life to God through a charging cable. Faith is a pathway of receiving all that God's got for you and making it real for you in your life so you can go and do things which please him. Faith is a pathway in life to be charged with open access to apply what God's got for your life. So, by faith, okay, by faith, we believe that Jesus is the healer. And so, by faith, we connect to that and say, we can heal by faith. So, Jesus died and was risen. So, we connect ourselves to that and we bring it in and we can find salvation faith and be living again a new life. And Jesus is the creator. So connect yourself into Jesus being the creator. You can see things that just are not before you or around you. And by faith, you can pray for them to come into being. See, faith is, well, it's not a question about the colour or the size of your cable. (laughs) Is it old or new or young? What what colour is your cable? It's not a question about that. Your car is still going to get charged and you're still going to be able to go places. And it's the same. It's not important about the size, look, feel of your faith. It's are you connected to God and applying it to your life? Now, without faith, it is impossible to please him. So let's jump all the way back to the Old Testament and to Exodus 1, verse 8. And we're going to read the passage here about why this, this family, why are they in this hall of fame of being great heroes? So they're going to be, if you're there, it's going to be on the screen, but otherwise it's in Exodus 1, verse 8. So let's go. Exodus 8, now while there arose a new king over Egypt, who did not know Joseph, and he said to his people, behold, the people of Israel, who are God's people, are too many and too mighty for us. Come, let us deal shrewdly with them, lest they multiply. And if war breaks out, they join our enemies and fight against us and escape from the land. Therefore, let's set taskmasters over them to afflict them with heavy burdens. And they built, uh, they built for Pharaoh store cities, Pithom and Ramesses. But the more they were oppressed, the more they multiplied, and the more they spread abroad. And the Egyptians were in dread for the, of the people of Israel. So they ruthlessly made the people of Israel work as slaves and made their lives bitter with hard surface, service with mortar and brick and all kinds of work in the field in all their work they ruthlessly made them work as slaves and then the king of egypt said to the hebrew midwives one of whom was called shiphrah and the other puah when you serve as a midwife to the jerusalem women and you see them on the on the birth stool if it is a son you shall kill him but if it is a daughter she shall live But the midwives, they feared God and did not do as the king of Egypt commanded them, but let the male children live. So the king of Egypt called the midwives and said to them, why have you done this? And let the male children live. And the midwives said to Pharaoh, because the Hebrew women, they're not like Egyptian women, for they are vigorous and give birth before the midwife comes to them. So God dealt well with the midwives. And the people multiplied and grew very strongly. And because the midwives feared God, God, he gave them families. Then Pharaoh commanded all his people, every son that is born to the Hebrews, to be cast into the Nile, but you shall let every daughter live. Now, a man from a house of Levi went and took a wife, a Levite woman. And the woman conceived and bore a son. And when she saw that he was a fine child, um, she hid him for three months. And when she could not hide him no longer, um, she took him for him a basket made of bulrushes and daubed it with bitumen and pitch. And she put the child in it and placed it among the reeds by the riverbank. And his sister stood at a distance to know what would be done to him. Now... The daughter of Pharaoh came down to bathe at the river, and while her young women walked beside the river, she saw the basket among the reeds and sent her servant woman, and she took it, and when she opened it, she saw the child, and behold, the baby was crying. She took pity on him and said, This is one of the Hebrew children. And then his sister said to Pharaoh's daughter, Oh, shall I go and call a nurse from the Hebrew women to nurse the child for you? And Pharaoh's daughter said to her, "'Go.' So the child went and called the child's mother. And Pharaoh's daughter said to her, "'Take this child away and nurse him for me, "'and I will give you wages.' So the woman took the child and nursed him. And when the child grew older, she brought him to Pharaoh's daughter, and he became her son. She named him Moses, because she she said, "'I drew him out of the water.'" Well, it's a long passage, but it just shows you some of the reason and context as to why this, this family, why these parents are actually stated as having great faith. So what had come home too soon for Jochebed? Jochebed was Moses' mum, and um, Amram was his dad, and he had a brother, brother and sister. So, so Aaron was about three, and uh, Miriam was a little older. But so we have Jochebed, the mum, and Amran, the father, in this household. And what came too soon for Jochebed was the actual knowledge that she couldn't keep her son. Um, She couldn't escape the reality that this governing authority was going to take him away from her and feed him to the uh, the crocodiles in the Nile. See, what comes to us in our families is actually that our children one day will leave the home all being well. And... uh, they will go on, and we can live in a life where actually we think that life is so difficult. I have to get up. I have to wash up. I have to do so much around the house, and they're always bringing their friends around late at night, and I can't get to sleep, and they're knocking on the door past midnight, and it's just impossible to live. Kids are not an inconvenience. They're a gift from God, and in the Bible, it says in, Psalms, in the Psalms, it says, children are a gift from God. They're a reward from him. And Jochebeb, like many, had come to a point knowing she couldn't hold on to her son any longer. So you remember later on we have um, Hannah, where Hannah has to give up Samuel because she's promised him to God. So when he's weaned, he goes into God's care. And even Mary, the mum of Jesus, she treasured in her hearts, it says, doesn't he, that he was to be found in his father's house. So there's a giving over of our children to God's care and protection, and for Jokabeb it came so soon, so suddenly, so abrasively. So the temporary, effectively, our children, they're on loan from God, and we shouldn't find our worth and our values in our children, so that when they do well we feel good, and they're actually. I'm going to take hold of everything that we fail in as parents, and they're going to do the good thing and make up for us. That's just not a way to live with a child, because they're going to live under this this world of this family situation where they're always finding that they're being accepted based on what they do, not for who they are. We need our sense of well-being as parents to come from God and God alone, so that we can create an environment where our families and our children themselves can be who they are in God. And know they are accepted, and they will flourish. So the turmoil that this family faced. So Aaron, a three-year-old, running around. He's preschool, and Miriam is a little bit older, to um, so able to help around the house and, and take orders and, and do things. She would have understood what was happening, that they were keeping this little baby boy um, longer than perhaps they dared. And when they could not hold him in any longer, they were saying, "What can we do? See, we have the Bible." We can read it, and we can find faith coming to us because we know what God's like. They didn't even have the Old Testament scriptures written down. They hadn't been written down yet. They were living by stories being handed down. So they would say, how can God, this God that we belong to actually be applicable to this circumstance that we're in? They think, well, okay, well, God, he saved the people, didn't he? Do you remember that story that God saved Noah and his wife, his three sons and their their wives, through the ark? God saves, he saves people. He saves through an ark. Abraham, Well, we know Abraham wasn't going to live through his child. He he actually wanted to honour God. But in that mix of honouring God, God effectively gave him his son back from the dead, where he gave him a ram instead of his son to sacrifice to please God. So Abraham trusted God, and yet his son came back to him in life. How can that affect us? Or even Abraham's son, Ishmael, who was born through Hagar, his, uh, his maidservant. Actually, Ishmael was banished by Sarah, Abraham's wife, because he was too close. Too hurtful, too needy in in, um, Sarah's heart to actually be able to cope with another and a son who was potentially going to take the heir. So so Hagar and Ishmael got banished. So Jochebed and Amram, Moses' parents, were holding on to things like, well, well, Ishmael got sent out and Hagar got to the end of her tether and she sent Ishmael under a bush and, and she went a long way away, well, a far distance so that she could just look from a distance to see what her son would end up being like. I can't see him die. And what they would say, okay, God spoke to Hagar and said, no, I'm going to make Ishmael into a great nation. Pick that boy out by the hand and take him." So in all of what they're trying to do, they're trying to connect into their lives what they knew about God, the truth of God. And in the midst of this horrible situation, they decide to honour God. Do you know Jocheb's name means honourable? Moses' mum's name is called Honourable or Glory God. And bizarrely, as her name suggests, she honours God by keeping him safe for three months. And when she can keep him no longer, she actually honours the edict of the land. So she says, God saves. God saves. God saved Noah through the ark. So she made Moses a little ark. She made it for him and put him in it. And God saved, well, God saved Ishmael and said that even from a distance, even from a distance, um, Hagar was given her son back. God is a God who gives things back, God is a God who raises the dead. And so she sent Miriam to keep close watch by. Whether that was in her mind, I don't know. But they're taking the Old Testament and making it alive and saying, God saves, God saves, God saves. What does faith look like? What does faith look like? God doesn't ask us to remain static and statue-like. He doesn't do that. God says, I want you, faith looks like me saying, I will do what only I can do so that God can do what only God can do. I will live a way where I can do all that I can do. All the things I am allowed, to, I can in my own ability do. And then God I'm expecting you to do what only you can do. See, God doesn't ask us to act but ex- and, and give up there. He expects us to act and expect <laughs> that and, and anticipate that God will come and fill our actions with only what he can do. So jo- Jochebede acted. She took what she knew from God and connected it into her life. And she did it, and she did it desperately hoping what God would do. So what does faith look like? <laughs> so I, I work in an engineering co- company locally, and I um, support, as a company, we support oil rigs and computers and systems on oil rigs. So occasionally we go, we go out there, and I've been um, out to uh, remote areas, not in the North Sea, but I've been to rigs. And there's one thing you have to do before you go to an oil rig is actually you need some training because you're on your own. (laughs) You're on your own, and you need to know how to behave and what to do in a, in a, a tight situation, such as going into the North Sea in a helicopter. So that could be quite a tight situation, couldn't it? So on the training course, they even have their own helicopters, and it's a robotic helicopter. And this helicopter goes out on this big arm and goes into a cold swimming pool. So they have their own helicopter. And they fill this helicopter up with prospective students or people on the course. And they fill it up and they dunk them in the water. And it's cold. And it can be dark, actually. But it's cold and dark. And you get dunked in the water. And then they quickly bring you up. They, they, um, they tell you to hold your breath. <laughs> as if you needed to be reminded to hold your breath. And as you go down, there's divers on hand just in case you forget to hold your breath. So as you go down, you you hold your breath and they they bring you back up again, and then it gets worse. They take you down, they spin you around, and then they they start saying, right, you're gonna go down, you're gonna get spun around, and you're gonna get out. So you're holding your breath, you're going down, you're getting spun around. I don't care what people say, holding your breath is unnatural enough, okay? but actually being spun around underwater, holding your breath, being strapped into a seat with a tight belt around you, full of guys who are like, you know, massive guys. And there's not much room because you're next to guys who are like huge and you're thinking, I'm right here. And you're thinking, holding your breath in this situation just takes about the biscuit. (laughs) So you're holding your breath and you get out. Now, they do come to the point of telling you that you have a survival suit. And there's this thing on the survival suit called a rebreather. So they start telling you that, OK, so instead of going down and holding your breath, you're going to get this, this mouthpiece and this tube, and all it is is a bag. <laughs> so you, they say, so just breathe out, and all the bag's going to take is your breath. So OK, OK, all right, so you go down. And as you breathe in and out, underwater, you suddenly realize, actually, I'm going through the motions of breathing. And although there's no more oxygen in your lungs coming back and forth, the motion of breathing just relaxes you and brings you to a point where you're comfortable. So when you go down and you spin around, you can quite easily spot the guys who are holding their breath, because they say, I've just got to get out of here. I'm holding my breath. I've got to get to the surface. And, you, and they're different to the people who are on the rebreather. They're actually just breathing in and out, in and out, breathing in and out, and waiting for the motions to stop before leaving through the window. So that's pretty much the same as faith. Faith isn't about knowing more of God. It's not about that. It's not about about holding your breath. It's about breathing in the promises of God. Breathing in the promises of God. It's not about having more promises or knowing more about God. It's about right there in your circumstance, living and saying, God, I'm going to breathe in. I'm going to make it my own. I'm going to keep going. I'm going to breathe in what you're telling me. Because because it's not about you. It's about what God's put in you and the truth that you're actually living through. There's nothing special. The cable can be any color. It's actually anything. It could be any size. It's whether or not you're connected to God. Is your life connected to him? Are you trusting? Because you know enough to be living an amazing life of healing people and loving people and and bringing them through to the fullness of God because you're connected into him. You have enough in you. Faith is about breathing in and out the truth of God. So let me just finish really with what actually happened to this wonderful family who were in such turmoil back in the days when Moses was just born. Well, what did their faith look like? Pharaoh and his daughter played a great part in God's plan. (laughs) See, the little boy, she found Moses which actually, well, she named him, the Pharaoh's daughter named him Moses, which means taken from water. That's what Moses means. So what was Pharaoh's order? Throw all the Israelite little boys into the river, into the water. But now, living at the ripe old age of, say, five or six, from that point on, living in Pharaoh's palace in his home, was a little Israelite boy called taken from water. <laughs> How ironic is that? Faith opened up a way for God's plan in this family. How were they blessed? Well, Moses' parents, they did receive their son, son's life. To hear that he was living would have been enough. They received his life back. And and God's plan trumped the decree of a pharaoh. So what can trump the decree of the most powerful man in the whole land? What is greater than this edict that the pharaoh can give? What's greater than a daughter approaching her father and saying, God, I want to keep this little boy? See, Pharaoh was approached by his daughter who wanted a boy. But the amazing thing is that even in Jochebed running and living and acting in faith, her actions of releasing her son into the Nile, I believe, believe possibly um, kept Pharaoh from, or allowed Pharaoh to honor his daughter. Because the parents of that little child were actually not in civil disobedience. She honoured God and she honoured man, the leaders of the town. How does that fit? How did she brought that? She connected herself into the promises and made up something which actually looked like what God would want her to do in the circumstances. And ironically, Moses' parents, <laughs> they gained a wage for what they would have done for free. Wonderful. You know that verse in Ephesians 3.20? Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than we can ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us. Has that been in your experience? Blessing of God and love when it comes in the faith? See, Moses learned himself in his family. He would have been in the family unit with his brother Aaron running around at three years older. I'm your big brother. And his sister, look guys, you're just because she's older and she can tell them what to do. In that family dynamics... He was there till it was like five or six before he actually went to the Pharaoh's house. And in that, in those preschool days, Moses learned so much about his calling of being a child of God, being part and connected in with his family. It's such amazing times in Proverbs. It says, doesn't it, train up a child in the way he should go. And when he was old, he will not depart from it. That's really true about Moses. Parents, we want the best education for our children, don't we? And Moses, through their faith, received the best education that the entire country could offer. So, let's call the band back up again, if you can come. So, Joseph, um, they, looking back, would have been able to sing praises to God. If you remember Joseph, if you know that story, Joseph, who brought the Israelites into Egypt, I mean, he said to his brothers who wanted to kill him, but yet he honoured God and went through to being the second most powerful man, Joseph did. And he said to his brothers at that time, he says, You, what you, meant, you meant evil against me, what, for what you meant as evil against me, God meant it for good to bring about many people that they should be alive today. Does that make sounds of Romans 8.28? Where it says that, For we know that for those who love God, all things work together according to his purpose, for the good of those who are called, according to his purpose. Do you believe it? We're going to worship again. is going to take us through communion. But I just pray with you. You know enough. Jesus died on the cross. Do you know, as the band carried on playing to take us in, do you know that Moses was like a doorway through... Through Moses' life, what the faith they had as that family, Moses opened the doorway for the release of Israel to actually become a, a nation as they left Egypt. And um, it was in a time where they were under pressure of little boys being killed. Much later, another family, where there's pressure for little boys being killed because the ruling authority says, kill all the boys. His name was Jesus, and he grew up. And when he grew up, He wasn't just taking a people out and liberating them. He was bringing in a new kingdom. And Jesus said, well, on the cross, you know, know, my father, my father, why have you forsaken me? It's because he chose to take your place. So he chose, we're in your situation of life where you're upside down and spinning around underwater and you're thinking there's no way out. He's saying, don't hold your breath. He's saying, come have my rebreather, have my breath. And he lost his breath on the cross so that you could have breath. And apply that to your life in every circumstance. Even respond now when we're having communion. Come to the front and have people come and pray with you because God is ushering in not just the release of a people. He's ushering in a new kingdom. It's a new way of living. It's a way of faith. You cannot please God without faith. Don't try. Breathe it in and breathe out the promises of God.